Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. Welcome to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. It's the Penrith Panthers and the South Sydney Rabbitohs in the 2021 Decider, and good luck to both of them. This is our grand final special over three awesome parts, one you won't and can't hear anywhere else. The biggest and best names in the game reliving their memories of grand finals, both successes and failures. What follows are interviews and sections of interviews too. That, as the title suggests, are unfiltered. Enjoy, legends. This is Andy Raymond, Unfiltered The Blast. Let's wind back the clock. The date, Sunday the 2nd of October 2016. The venue, Sydney's Olympic Stadium. And the event was the NRL Grand Final between the Cronulla Sharks and the Melbourne Storm in front of 83,625 fans. Cronulla had won 15 straight games earlier in the season. The core group of this footy side were playing, I think, career-best footy. The club had entered into the competition in 1967. They hadn't won a premiership and they were sick of the jokes. The Storm were playing their sixth grand final in 10 years. They were the benchmark. They had won the final round game against Cronulla to claim the minor premiership. Our look at the game is through the eyes of Cronulla legend Luke Lewis. You'd won a premiership previously with the Panthers, mate. Was this week, this experience, any different to 03? Oh, anyway, bring back some memories just reading it out, but it was totally different. Uh, I remember back in 2003, I was a young kid and I was just I was just having a ball. And I remember Craig Gow sort of said, uh, boys, just enjoy the week and the occasion and, uh, you know, just sort of take it as it comes. But fast forward another... Of 16, oh, 14 years, I think it was, yep. between drinks, wherever it was. But, um, mate, going back to grand final week when I was a lot older, I, I actually went, oh, wow, like, this is what it's all about. You know, we're doing, you know, the photos and, and going to the footy show and, you know, you're actually watching it from the older the older boys' uh, eyes. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually stoked it all up a lot more when I was older because I didn't appreciate it when I was a young kid, which is very sad to say because um, I just expected it to happen, you know, like, we're very lucky uh, in 2003, like it was only two years and we we're playing an NRL grand final. It was a dream. And it took 14 years to get back there. So, yeah, I think just the appreciation of having that opportunity um, when it was a lot older, it really hit home. You're not the first bloke to say that, that as a young bloke, when they won a premiership, it it just happened. And you probably didn't realise the gravity and the enormity of the situation and the accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when we were kids, mate, everyone I played you know, you had Luke Rooney, Shane Rodney, Joel Clinton, Trent Waterhouse, all these boys um, that were there. And, and we played 
SG Ball, Harold Matson, we made you know major semi-finals or grand final. You know, we're winning games. Uh, we're sitting at the top of the competition. We won yeah. the minor premiership. Uh, no one gave us a chance. Everyone wrote us off, and mate, we just had so much belief. And uh, I just thought that was going to happen all the time. Uh, then we won the grand final. Next thing you know, we're going on the kangaroo tour. And just mate, all these things happen so fast. And you go, oh, how good is our life? We're only young kids. I think I was 19 at the time. Little did I know how much hard work had to go into it, how many things had to fall into place. And, yeah, I look back now and I appreciate it so much. It was a low-scoring first half, just the eight points, but it was tough. It was extremely tough. What do you remember that first 40 minutes? I was so confident about the, the 16 grand final going into it. I remember getting on the bus before we went out there and I had this funny feeling that we are going to win. I said to Mickey, you know, we'll win today. I just had this feeling. Uh, ran out the field and, uh, yeah, we, we played pretty much the perfect half of footy. Yeah. I don't think we had any errors in the first 40 minutes. Um, we're up 8-0. Uh, we had a couple of opportunities. Uh, I remember early, uh, James Maloney made a beautiful break. I pushed up in support, got tackled an inch from, from the uh, trial line and uh, I, I wanted to reach out so bad. But uh, <laughs> I knew if I did, uh, I'd give away a penalty and, and Melbourne would be up the other end. But, um, yeah, two plays later, uh, Big Giazza calls his play, big man down and, we get that play on and, and all the little things that we tried for the last two years sort of come together on that night because that play where Benny Barber scored, we'd practice that play in a game, oh, I reckon, you know, five or six times, 2015, put it on a few times, you know, during 16, never worked. And the biggest occasion of all, uh, gals of calls that see something. So everyone got straight into position and, and it come off. But um, I always had so much trust and belief in the players that never for one second in that first half, or even halfway through that second half, I think we're going to lose until uh, obviously, buddy, Will Chambers crossed the line. And oh no, what's going on here? But uh, mate, that was one of the best features we've ever had behind the line. And it come from the uh, obviously the 5 8 and James Maloney. And mate, I think he hit the nail on the head. He, he said exactly what we needed to hear at that point in time. And everyone reacted to it. And uh, we just got back into the groove and we were lucky enough to hold on. What was the speech? What did Jimmy Maloney have to say? Well, mate, you know what? He doesn't speak too much. Uh, and usually when he does speak, he's always mucking around and yeah. you know, having a bit of a laugh or whatever it is. But he pulled everyone in. He just said right there and then he goes, boys, we knew tonight was never going to be everything our way. He said, Stay, just give me the next five sets of our best defensive set that we've done all year. And get in position and we'll come up with the right play. Everyone bought into it. Mate, we went down. We had a good, good kickoff. Great uh, set of defence. We yep. sort of limited uh, Melbourne's metres. Worked our way up. We were real patient with the ball. Kept getting to a kick. You know, really focused on our kick chase. And um, you know, the first, the next five sets, we just put all our focus into it with our D. And we finally got our opportunity down the line. Uh, I think we got a repeat set. Nice little kick from James Maloney again. And then, um, you know, Mickey Anna sets up a beautiful play. We got a nice shape out the right. But it was funny, you know, we had that shape all year. And the way that the whole defensive line was sort of lined up against us, I knew we were going to score just a matter of which option he took. So, yeah, but Mickey Ennis obviously took the, the short board a, a feeder and he had five blokes in front of him and stands the ball down. But, again, it all come from the speech from James Maloney about giving us that chance to get up there. Don't stress about pushing the ball out. and Don't try and chase points. It will come if we just believe in the process. So it worked. So here's Ennis now. Fafita tries to crash his way over. He does. Fafita got the ball. That's what he's capable of. And the big fella, he's just an awkward big thing. 
He's hard to handle when he gets his steam up and he just... We see Andrew Fafita maintains possession and grounds the ball in the end goal. Have a decision and going to the board. That's so it's a... going to be green lights. Cronulla are about to be back in front. 11 minutes to go. It was the Andrew Fafita try. He went on a tear. Pretty special, Louis. Oh, mate, it's mind-blowing, to be honest. Still, now you see that try. Um, I don't understand how he got down. I really don't. There was five uh, Melbourne players there. Um, he spun out. He had the ball in a real weird, awkward position, like his wrist was holding the ball. Any sort of movement touches that ball, any hand, any elbow, knee touches that ball, it falls out. Um, but it was just stuck to his arm beautifully. And he's seen a little bit of a white line. He just slammed it straight down. But, um, mate, that was the best feeling in the world. I was probably in the perfect position. Mm. Uh, I was lining up, ready to run the line uh, for the sweep runner on Betty Barbs. And I was looking at Fafita and I seen he put it down. And, mate, as soon as they went up to the, um, the video ref, I said, that's try time. We're, we're back in front. And, um, mate, that will go down as probably one of the greatest grand final trials, I reckon, uh, especially for you know, what was on the line um, to get us back in. We probably wouldn't have got another opportunity against probably the best defensive team in the competition for the last couple of years. 14-12 to Cronulla, the next 10 minutes. It wasn't about ability. It was about character. It was about who wanted it the most. Melbourne kept coming and coming and coming up until the final play of the game. They they threatened to steal the premiership literally with two seconds to go. It was funny. You, know, you watched that last minute uh, from the scrum play. And I remember during the, during the year when I used to put this game together, we'd have 13 v 7. Um, but the seven had to defend the whole width of the field and we had to stop them from scoring tries. So uh, we practiced it over and over and over again. And um, mate, that night, if you, you know, if you're at the training field, you watch that, um, that last play and you can actually see the training drill come into effect. And we were just scrambling everywhere. And when Melbourne went to the right, uh, we sort of all got over, they shut it down. Anyway, back to the left. But if you actually watch it, you see our line slowly get back together and waited for the opportunity to come. And then uh, obviously Ricky Latelli knew it was one-on-one and he just had to go and make it on Karabidi and yeah, the game was over. But um, I do believe if we didn't play that game during the whole 2016 season, that probably we'd probably lose that game at the end there. A lot of great individual performances. For mine, it was a team that showed the character of its coach, Shane Flanagan. He's tough. He's uncompromising. He just doesn't stop. And that, I think, sums up the way the 17 players played on that night. Yeah, absolutely. I think Flano done a great job with the whole group. Not, not just the 17 that were out there, but our whole squad of 33 at the time. Um, you know, I think he kept everyone fresh. He got everyone hungry. He got everyone motivated. Uh, and he got everyone to believe in, the, in what we, we believed in. And everyone bought into it. Uh, but, mate, that night, there was so many class performances. And you know, I, I'll say it again. Every time I look at that Clive Churchill medal, mate, I, I just think of the, the 17 players that ran out that night. I mean, I'll never forget the way that we played during the year. But the guys who stand out for me are like, you're not the ones that you know, had blinders. It's, it's like your players like uh, Jack Bird, you know, yep. Valentine Holmes, Ricky Natelli, Sasai Fecky, you know, Benny Barber, those kind of guys. They've done so many uh, tough carries out of their back end. They, they had up so many metres. Mm. Uh, they got their defence right out wide. You know, Jack Bird dislocated his elbow, tore his ligaments in his elbow. Mate, he probably misses 12 weeks if, he, if he's in a general, in a normal game of footy. Mm. Uh, he continued and stayed on. Mate, some of the carries had the back end of that half. He just got us on the front foot time after time again. Uh, and the execution had done me half for Mickey Ennis. Hey, it just it gives me goosebumps talking about it. It was the best team I've ever played in. I, 
I loved everything about it, but you're 100 percent right. I think Flano, you know, just knew how to get the best out of it. So it, it all come down to that last play, and um, I think everyone understands why we actually come away with that win is because of the work we did we did during the year, and and everyone just believed in the process. The final whistle, the dressing rooms, the streets of Cronulla, the presentation night. Five years on, what's the one memory that stands out to you? Oh, mate, look, the, the memory for me that stands out the most is when we got back to, to Shark Park. Uh, obviously, you know, it's awesome when you um, you finish the game and you know you've got the win. You know, I look over, I see my daughter there for the first time in the grand final. Whatever I wanted to, is to have my daughter do a lap of honour. I got to do that with uh, my, my wife. Uh, my family was there. But the part that I loved the most is when we actually got off the bus at Cronulla, we all walked into the change rooms where we'd been there for years, where we've had some down times and we've had some really good times. But... We're all just having a laugh. We're all sitting in our training gear. Everyone's got their rings on. Got the trophy just sitting there. Um, it was the best feeling in the world. And we knew that the crowd uh, were out in the field uh, waiting for us to come out. And you could hear them singing up, up, Cronulla. And mate, walking up the back stairs uh, to go up the top, holding that trophy and, and just looking around with all the smiles on each other's faces. Mate, I'll, I'll never get that out of my head. That was probably the best feeling in the world. And and now what we were just about to walk out to when yeah. we went on that top uh you know, top grandstand there was uh, was a pretty surreal feeling. A wonderful grand final. Cronulla claiming their first, scoring a 14 points to 12 win over Melbourne to take out the 2016 NRL Premiership. Rugby League offers some wonderful scripts and stories, but not always do they go to plan. But when it does, it's magical. This is very much the shithouse to the penthouse story. In 1993, our guest won the Dally M Fullback of the Year Award and was one of the genuine rising superstars in the game. For whatever reason, in 95, just two years later, he was dropped from first grade. He changed clubs midway through the season and then went on to score the final try in the winning Bulldogs grand final effort. Rod Silver, as we sit back and look now, what an amazing year 95 was for you. It was for so many reasons, Andy, and, and probably the, the couple that you just mentioned there, but uh, probably more importantly than that, we had our first girl uh, in 1995. So besides the on-field success, uh, it was a big year because we had our first child, Marley. Gee, you're throwing a few things into 12 months, a, a, cha- a change of club, your firstborn, and uh, and getting up in the middle of the night, changing nappies. Yeah, I, I didn't have to do that much because my wife was great, um, but um, especially when it came to football, so we were, you know, a pretty good team. Um, so I didn't have to do that much, especially when it was the rugby league season. But after the rugby league season, yeah, my workload increased. You were... Dropped from first grade by Phil Gould in 1995 at the Roosters. Uh, at the time, you didn't sulk, you didn't whinge, you got on with life. You're obviously nervous. You had now a, a young family. Was Gus right in putting you in reserve grade at the time, do you think, or was it just one of those occasions where two personalities clash and the best result is probably each going their own way? Yeah, that's a hard question to answer, Andy. Um, at the time, as a young man and, and 
a bloke who wanted to stay and be a one club player. Uh, it was hard to accept. Yeah, um, I played the first. I actually played the first two first grade games, and we didn't start well. We we lost both of them. But as a first grade player and as a football player, you know if you deserve to be dropped. Yes. Um, and, and in my opinion, I didn't, but um, I did, and I think I was the only one. So two two losses, and he, he drops the fullback. So I don't understand that, but that's the way it went. The next four games, I sat on the bench. And it wasn't until later because of the it was the time of the Super League ARL war and I'd signed with Super League. Yep. Uh, that's the way our manager, my, me and my manager thought was best for me. And unfortunately, the Roosters were one of the NRL aligned clubs. So um, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but um, if first two games in first grade, next four sitting on the bench. And it wasn't until later that I spoke to a, a player who is a pretty well informed uh, man and um, a good mate of mine when he was there um, told me that I was apparently never to get a run again because I'd signed with Super League. So I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he told me. And for the better, um, I moved on and was lucky enough to get an opportunity at the Dogs. And, um, yeah, we had a great year and I came into a great team. And, yeah, um, we were lucky to stand at the end of the season with the trophy. I don't know if there was too much luck about it. That was a wonderful 95 side because what happened next, honestly, Rod, it is the stuff dreams are made of. You leave one club, you join and are welcomed at a new club and you go on to win the grand final against Manly. What do you recall of the 95 GF? I know it was quick. I know it was a uh, pretty exciting week. Yeah. Um, we had a lot on. I remember we signed a lot of stuff. Um, the fans were really excited. Everywhere you went in the streets of, you know, Belmore, the fans were pulling you up. Everyone wanted to have a conversation with you. Uh, we, even at the training sessions, we were getting big crowds. Yeah, and, and the, the perfect scenario for us was <clears throat> because of where we uh, come from in the semi-final series, a lot of expectation was on the other team. Yeah. The, the Seagulls. So we we had all the you know stars aligned, and um, we just had to worry about our game and um, like worry about the pressure. Wonderful memories, wonderful career. Thanks for dropping in, Legend. We will chat again soon. Thanks, mate. The 2019 Grand Final was a controversial one, one we won't forget. However. From a negative came a positive. We saw a club, a side and a coach display the type of attitude, the type of class and dignity we could all aspire to. Instead of blowing up and blaming, the Canberra Raiders publicly accepted what happened, a referee's confusion. A key decision changed in a split second that may or may not have cost them the chance at a premiership. They didn't whinge, they didn't complain, they didn't sook, they just stood up. I thought it showed everything good about our game. Elliot Whitehead from the Canberra Raiders joins us. Looking back, are you proud of how you and the club handled what could have been a very difficult and delicate situation? Yeah, definitely. Look, I think um, like one of the main things we spoke about after full time, and you know, it was disappointing the way we lost and stuff. And um, you know, we probably had the right to talk about it, but we also sat down and said we had many other opportunities to win that game, and we didn't take them. So, 
uh, in a sense, it was half our fault as well. You can't just blame the referee for his mistake. People do that. and We often talk in rugby league about personal character. I thought this was the ultimate test because it would have been really easy just to blow up. That I mean, that's what we do in rugby league. We blow up first and we think later. You guys actually thought first and made a calculated decision. Yeah, 100%. Look, we didn't want to look like the babies and cry. You know, we we had the opportunities there to win that game and unfortunately we didn't take them on the night. So, um, yeah, one of the main things Dickie's really done with a lot of the boys has matured them and, yep. you know, I reckon if that were 2016, we probably would have sucked about it and looked like babies. But, you know, we've all, we've all matured and we knew, we knew, like I said, we keep saying, we had the opportunities there to win the game. So, it was down to us as well as, as well as that mistake from the referee. I think Ricky is an absolute beauty. Um, he cares as much about football as he cares about you young men as young men. And it's all part of the learning curve, the journey that you, you go on. And And I thought this was a great example set by Ricky on that night. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think um, Ricky himself, I think he's grown up a little bit in coaching. He's, he's learned a lot how to handle his players a lot better and stuff. Um, when I first signed here, everybody said, why am I signing for Ricky Stewart? But, you know, since I've been here, he's been great and he just expects you to be honest and work hard. And, you know, that's the culture we set at our club now. And um, all the boys uh, buy into that and uh, we have a good relationship with coaches as well. Very special time at the Raiders these last couple of years. Uh, the GF in 19, one game short in 20 and still a cracking roster. You get the feeling it's an exciting couple of years ahead. Yeah, definitely. Look, we, like um, I've said before, you know, we've got great depth as well. That, that's very um, positive. You know, yeah. if we have injuries through the year, we, we've got boys to fill in that we know they can do a job. We've seen that over the probably last two years, the young boys fill in and have done a job. So, And we've got the belief and confidence and stuff. Um, you know, everyone probably says at the same time of the year that they've got the confidence, but we actually do. And, you know, we've, we've proved what... Um, type of club we are now over the last couple of years and you know I believe other clubs look at us a lot different than what they used to do when I first came here. Thanks for the chat. Thanks for the honesty. Chat soon, Elliot. No worries. Cheers. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. Let's rewind the clock on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The date, October 4, 2009. The venue, Sydney's Olympic Stadium. And the occasion, the NRL Grand Final between the Melbourne Storm and the Parramatta Eels in front of 82,538 people. We're joined by Parramatta's Tim Manor. And to set the scene here, mate, the start of the year was terrible for you guys. 14th position at the halfway point of the season. But then it all clicked. Yeah, it was um, it was a bit of a surreal ride. I mean, that was my first season in a, in a role. I remember thinking that first half of the year, even though we were losing games, I was just buzzing that I was playing mm. to be in the team and playing in a role. So it was still 
a great experience for me. And then we went on a ride that just we started winning, and every game was just we built more and more belief in each other, and we used to get to the game so confident. Yep. Um, you know, there'd, there'd be music playing, and everyone be you know um, just so sure that we're going to get the result. So um, it was a great ride to be on, and you know to to get so close to four short hurts in hindsight. Um, but at the time, I wasn't. I remember thinking, you know, we'll be back here again next year. And yeah. um, as history has it, you know, it's it was a long, long time between drinks. We still haven't got back to the big dance yet. You guys qualified eighth. The Storm had qualified fourth. As in most grand final weeks, there is a lot of different stories, including at the Eels. Captain Nathan Kalis had a bad hamstring. He was past fit 24 hours beforehand, but you were almost starting a grand final in your first year. You actually started from the interchange. Yeah, I think the most minutes I had all year was uh, the preliminary final against the Bulldogs out the game before because um, Kalis went down with a, with a torn hammy. Yep. So, you know, I got asked to do a bit more work and I, I love it. And to this day, you know, everyone asks me about my favourite game. That was my favourite game of my career, um, even more than Origin. Just wow. be part of that game um, with that atmosphere. I think, I don't know if you were there, but just the yep. way the crowd was split, split in half, um, it was a special night and um, it's definitely one that stands out in my memory. So, yeah, to go into the game all week unsure if Kalis was going to, uh, going to play or not, it was, um, was a bit touch and go. But I'll, I'll be honest, at the time I was hoping he would play because uh, being a young front rower yeah. in a big occasion, you definitely want your, your leader and your, your skipper out there. Melbourne did what Melbourne do. They started well, tries to Ryan Hoffman and Adam Blair and they raced to a 10-0 lead. How hard was that watching powerless from the bench? Because you're you're just sitting there watching this machine in action. Yeah, to be honest, most of this, I don't speak about this game very often. Most of it's a bit of a blur, to be honest. I don't remember all the details of how it happened. Um, I just remember we're coming home pretty strong, yeah. and, and I remember thinking, you know, we've got them because I had that same feeling we had the last you know ten eleven weeks where okay we were we we got these guys. Yep. And you know, we just we just ran out of time, and um, you know, Melbourne obviously being the classy player, the classy team they are. Um, got the result. Yeah, they are class and always have been. It was the 70th minute of that grand final back in 2009. Joel Reddy scored. Two minutes later, it was the great man, Fui Fui Moi Moi. The difference was down to six. You guys look likely. Did you believe at that time? Uh, yeah, like I said, I was, I was on the mindset that we were going to win this game. We had it. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was only a matter of time before we got the lead. Uh, I saw the one thing I remember is that that call on Billy Slater. He um, was getting up to play the ball and, and drop the ball. And at the time, I thought it was a knock on. I thought, we're, yep. we're going to win here. We're going to score here. Anyway, the ref calls a penalty and they go down the other side of the field, kick a field goal, and it was, that was it, out of reach. And they, took, they won the game. Young blokes probably don't appreciate the enormity of what they're going through as much as a seasoned veteran. As a first yearer, were you. Uh, were you gripped by grand final week and, and grand final experience, or was it just a really cool ride and it was a whole lot of fun? Well, Daniel Anderson was coach, and he um, he'd been to a few Challenge Cups grand finals. He won three over in England. He got the Warriors to a grand final. He'd been to a few Super League grand finals. So he was experienced in that kind of occasion. And his tip to us was just to enjoy the week, just enjoy the whole yep. build up. Um, you know, it doesn't come around very often, so just have fun and enjoy it. And it was, it was great advice because, you know, if you go in there too um, anxious or too nervous, you, you, that week can get away from you without you enjoying it. So I'm glad yeah. I got to enjoy it. Um, you know, I remember looking at the senior players like Heimarsh and Kalis and seeing how, um, you know, how much they were gripping onto this occasion, how much they really wanted the result. And I thought, you know, after the game, you know, we'd make grand finals every year. Yeah. It's normal. It's fine. 
Um, so, yeah, looking back now, I definitely took it for granted as a kid. I thought um, it was an occasion that would come across a lot more than it did. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, we didn't get back there for the rest of my career. Melbourne held on to record a grand final win, but it was a tainted premiership. This is Andy Raymond Unfiltered the Blast. Let's wind back the clock. The date is Sunday the 2nd of October 2005. The venue, Sydney's Olympic Stadium. And the event, the NRL Grand Final between the West Tigers and the North Queensland Cowboys in front of 82,453 fans. Our look at the game is through the eyes of West Tigers second rower Benny Galea. Let's start with the week leading in, mate. Was it easy... Was it difficult? Were you nervous? Were you relaxed? Or is it all just a blur? Mate, probably, to be honest, it's a bit of a blur. Um, but the reality is um, we had Sheenzy there looking after us. Um, so he said it to us at the start of the week. He said, look, I'm going to try and keep it as simple as possible. Try and make it like any other week. Yep. Um, so we trained on all the same days. Um, the only real thing that stood out for us was we had a fan day on uh, one of the days leading in yeah. uh, where, you know, the, the supporters come out, watch this train. Um, but every, everything else other than that, you tried to stick exactly the same. So, uh, you know, you had your, your grand final breakfast and, and all those other things uh, that you do um, on grand final week. But uh, as a whole, uh, it was a pretty normal week for us. Running out to a noise like that for the very first time, is it something that's hard to accurately put into words? Oh, 100%. You know, you know, look, you run out in plenty of other games and, and you feel like you've heard it all or you've heard the loudest screams. Um, but until you go out there on grand final day, it's just, it's something, you know, you dream about it all your life, Andy. Yeah. You know, and for, for us um, who were a club who had very little success at the time, um, we were stacked of players who had hardly played any finals footy before. So it was it was a dream come true, you know, and and just that feeling when you run out there and the noise, it just it went straight through you. Um, and I got a good tip uh, leading into the grand final from um, Mick Butner. Actually, he said to me, "When you get out there, before you do anything else, just stop and have a look around," you know. And so that's what I've done. I ran out yeah. on the field. I took his advice. I ran out. Then I stopped and I just had a good look around and and tried to take it in. And I'll never ever forget that moment. It was just amazing. It's wonderful sport can provide moments like that, isn't it? Um, and it wasn't a tackle, it wasn't a try, it wasn't a flick pass. It was simply standing, observing and and soaking it all up. Yeah, mate, that's it. Just almost just taking a moment and going, well, we've got here, we've done yeah. it. You know, or, you know, all the things that you dream about doing when you're a kid and, um, you know, and it, all the sacrifices that you had made up until that point was there, you know, and, and so if you didn't take a moment to actually enjoy it or, or get a real feel for it, the rest of the game's a blur, Andy. Mm. I, I can hardly, you know, if you said, oh, what happened in this minute or that minute, I can't remember anything. Wow. You know, because you just get so caught up in, in doing your job when you're playing that you don't, you don't really remember anything about the game. Well, certainly that's what happened in my career. I don't know whether I've had too many head knocks or, or <laughs> whatever, but... My career, I'm not one of those ones who can remember many things that happened in games that I played. But those little moments like just stopping and pausing um, is, is something that's stuck with me and, and I'm really glad that I've done it. 
You guys, I think, had given the Cowboys a bit of a touch-up a couple of weeks earlier. Were you a confident side going into the GF? 100%. Um, you know, we went on that run late in the year um, where we run, I think it was 10, 9 or 10 in a row. And, and it was almost it was all, almost like we knew then. Yeah. You know, almost had a feeling. You know, there was no one that we feared or there was no one that we were worried about playing. And, and we spoke about it privately. Um, we just had a belief, Andy, you know, a belief that we could, we could get the job done. We could beat anyone. Didn't matter whether we were behind by 10 points or 12 points at half time. We had so many points in us. Um, we just found a way to win games. And then when we uh, played the Cowboys in, in that first semi, we, you know, we lapped them. We beat them by yeah. 50. Um, and it was just right. We're on. This is it, you know, because we'd lost the two games previous to that. Sheenzy threw his teddy out and told us that we'd, <laughs> we'd, uh, we'd, you know, undone all that good work that we'd, we'd worked up previously. But uh, we, we, we made the top four, which was our goal. And I think we just relaxed. In those last two rounds of the year, it was like, oh, thank God, you know, we, we achieved our goal that we'd set at the start of the year. So we just took a breath, a um, couple of weeks, just to sort of wind down and, and relax. And then once the semis come, we put the foot back down again. To the game, there was a try to Matt Bowen, then Bryce Gibbs, of all people, return serve. And then in the 35th minute, with the scores locked, there was some absolute magic. 41 metres out, good tackle that, upended him, put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick, down the ground, into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up Ninety-eight metre grand final try. Was that a flick pass from Marshall at, at the end? Yeah. Oh, stop it! I mean, who tries that? Who does that? What do you remember of the try and the lead-up, mate? It's just one of those things that you probably never see again, you know. And um, and Benji will always be remembered as someone who changed the game. I think because he just done things that other players weren't doing at the time. Yeah. You know, I remember when he when he first come down. Uh, to training with us, and he, mate, he's just snapping blokes left, right, and centre, and like we, no one had seen a step like that before. Agreed. Um, and then so, you know, at training, he'd do, you know, he'd pull his touch moves off, he'd step people, he'd flick pass, and you know, that flick to Paddy, it's not like he'd never done it before, yeah. or he'd never practiced it before. He'd never, you know, when we're doing drills at training, if 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 he was cutting across Paddy and Paddy had come underneath, he'd throw a flick pass. So. Pat knew it was coming, you know, or he knew to expect it. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those moments that every time there's a grand final on, they'll replay it because yes. it's just special. It really was special. Considering what Paddy Richards had been through the week leading into the game, just the fact he could get onto the field was a huge effort, let alone keep up with Benji Marshall. Mate, I, I remember uh, one of the real special moments of the of the week leading into the grand final was when, they announced that Pat was going to play. Yeah. Um, you know, he'd, he'd done pretty serious damage to his ankle uh, the week before against the Dragons. And basically the doctor had said to him, oh, mate, you you 10, 20% chance of playing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it was on the Thursday uh, he come in, the doc kneeled him up at training, said, mate, if you can get out there and, and do a few drills, a few run-throughs, 
I'll, I'll pass you fit to play. Um, so, you know, Paddy, he's tough as nails. He got noodled up. He got about seven or eight noodles before yeah. training. Um, and he got through it. Uh, come in um, and just announce to the boys, we're just about to do our last video session. Come in and announce to the boys that he was going to play. And, and the room just erupted. It really did. Like, and it was cool. just one of those moments um, where, you know, another another moment where we thought, we're going to do this. We're going to win it, you know. All, all the things were falling into place. Yeah. And um, he was such an important player in our team. Um, and he'd been there all the way through. It was just another piece of the puzzle that, that, that made sure that we're going to win it. Benji comes across as this lovely, polite, very respectful bloke, which he is, but he's also... One of the great personalities when you get to know the real bags. Um, yeah. I have it on good authority, mate. He's still running with that pass and the commentary 16 years later at every West Tigers reunion. Without a doubt. We were away just a few weeks ago in the Hunter and some bloke had, had come up to him and said, mate, can we just run through that pass? Um, <laughs> so some random some random bloke has got a bottle of wine under his hand, comes under, Benji throws him the flick of the wine bottle. He catches it, runs out. I guess he's made a big palm. Don't argue. <laughs> and, uh, oh, brilliant! But you know, so many people enjoyed it, Andy. You know, so yeah. many people. Um, yeah, it, it's been a long time, or at that time, it had been a long time, and it, it is again now uh, since West Tigers fans yeah. and Balmain and West fans had had something to cheer about. Um, so I think you know, every time that you know the fans get the opportunity to come and, and relive that. Um, they make the most of it. And Benji, you know, like you said, he loves uh, he loves the glory of it. Yeah, absolutely. Benny, when did you know you'd won the game? Was there a moment? Was there a try? Did you glance up at the scoreboard or the clock at any stage and you thought, we've done this? Oh, mate, to be honest, when Toddy scored, yeah, that's when the, that's when the relief came over. Um, you know, there's always still... You never want to switch off you know, because they they had enough talent in their team to score two tries in five minutes. There's yes, no doubt. Agreed. Um, so you, you never could really switch off. But once Toddy scored, um, that was it. We knew we we'd we'd done it. Um and you could just see by our reaction, the whole yeah. team knew the side and then went nuts. We all stacked on and um yeah, it's really, really special. The celebration started. The post-match interviews were absolute gold. You were part of it. It was yeah. fucking great this, fucking great yeah. that. We look back now and we can laugh, but at the time, some of you boys in the club were absolutely horrified. And, look, you've got a couple of young kids now. You're probably horrified that they've seen it. Mate, I am. But I'll tell you a story what happened, right? So Matty Johns. He was our kicking coach. Yes. All right. So leading right through, you know, eight, nine weeks leading into the final, he was always at training, every week at training yep. down there with the boys, kicking it around, and you're just chatting to him like he's one of the boys. So the game's over. And then next minute, there's Maddie. How good's this? You know, he's up in your face. Mate, you don't even – you're so excited, you don't see the microphone. Yeah. And so you just go off. You yeah. just go off like you would, uh, just like talking to a mate, you, and then all of a sudden, you go, oh, <laughs> shit, there's a camera there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it happened to all of us, mate. I got three quarters of the way through mine and I've gone, oh, wow, I didn't realise that was there. <laughs> and it's all too little, too late, you know. But, you know, the thing for me is people want to see real passion, Andy. I agree. And they got it. Yeah. You know, if they wanted to know exactly how we felt, well, they got it. 
Yeah. And we may have said a few nasties, but at the end of the day, that's exactly how we felt. The 2005 NRL Grand Final, the West Tigers, 30 points to 16 winners over the North Queensland Cowboys. Their first and to date only premiership for the club. This is Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Let's rewind the clock. The date was Sunday the 5th of October 2014. The venue, Sydney's Olympic Stadium. And the event, the NRL Grand Final between the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs in front of 83,833 fans. Our look at the game is through the eyes of South Sydney captain Johnny Sutton. Professionally, Johnny, is this the best day of your life? It was definitely, yeah, besides my um, two kids, it was definitely the best day of my life for sure. South had finished the year in third. You defeated the Seagulls and the Chooks in the final series. The Dogs had finished seventh. They were on a dream run. How was the week leading into a grand final? Is it exciting? Is it nervous? Is it long? Or is it just a blur? How do you recall it? I found it very exciting, um, to be honest. I think, um, you know, before the week started, you know, Madge wanted everyone to enjoy the week and, um, you know, be be very positive and, you know, be happy around everyone. So, um, yeah, it was a really fun week, actually. Um, training was good. It was nice weather. You know, we had to do a few, few promos, but everyone was really relaxed and, um, yeah, ready for it. Is it an easy week to enjoy? Yeah, I thought it was an easy week. Cool. Um, obviously, as as a captain, it was a bit for me to do, and but I just took it on, um, just took it on, and just tried to enjoy it as much as possible. How bizarre! Both sides lost their starting hooker the week before. They lost Mick Ennis, and you guys lost little bully Isaac Luke. Yeah. So yeah, that was a bit of a um, weird one. They, you know, Mickey Ennis breaking his foot. And um, bully on suspension. So, yeah, it was interesting. But, um, you know, we had a very good backup, hookie back, uh, backup hooker back then in Appy. Yeah. And um, he, was, he was a tremendous, even on the on grand final night. He didn't actually get to play, I don't think, many games throughout the year. So definitely for him to come into the team and, you know, leave a mark on the game was awesome. There's two blokes in Mick Innes and Isaac Luke that could both get into a fight in a phone booth, isn't it? Two real ta- <laughs> two talkers and aggressive little bastards. Yeah, that'd be good to get him in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, so the whistle sounds and it started from tackle one. What do you remember of Sammy Burgess and James Graham coming together? Not really much at all, eh? Because um, after Sam hit it up, I was getting ready to have a run. So I wasn't really paying too much <laughs> attention. But um, it was probably... Uh, five or ten minutes into the game and um, we got a repeat and um, Sam tried to come up to me and say his, his, his face was busted and I sort of just I had the angry head on at one stage because I, <laughs> I wanted Adam to I wanted Adam to do a better kick but he don't like it was, a, oh no, it was an ordinary kick but they knocked it on so I was just fine, trying to find Adam and go Fuck, you know yeah. kick more better than something and Sam was trying to get me so I've just brushed Sam and lucky Greg was there and Sam turned around, Greg was right there and, and you can see it on the footage, just Greg saying, you know, I've got you, I've got you. And, you know, that's definitely what Sam needed at that time with a broken face. So, um, yeah, that was a tremendous, tremendous game from Sam. I've never you know, witnessed that kind of stuff before. Broken face, playing 80 minutes in the middle. It's just, um, 
it's unheard of, that stuff. Alex Johnston, the god of first try scoring punters, did his thing <laughs> in the 20th minute. 6-0 lead at half time. Looking back, gee, it was a tough and brutal and physical first half. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, the dogs really came to play and but we were on. We I think we'd completed 19 out of 20 sets. Awesome. And um, obviously to have a 6-0 at half time, well, I was pretty happy because I felt like we put a lot of work into them and, um, you know, we just had to come out and keep completing and the game opened up and um, yeah, it did towards the end. A lot of credit goes to Sam. The brother George was enormous. How good was his try early in the second half? Oh, that was amazing. Obviously, yes, that's what I was talking about with Appy having an um, imprint on the game. He actually does a lot of work um, to get the markers going the wrong way. And yep. just just to find George one-on-one like that, it's, he's going to be hard to stop it. You know, 10 out, I think he's um, – I think T-Rex tried to stop him and just pushed him out the way and, you know, barged over. So, um, yeah, he was he was enormous for us that year, George. He had probably his best year that 2014. He was um, – it was pretty much unstoppable. He scored a few tries too. So Yeah, he certainly was. Mate, it was only the last, I don't know, seven or eight minutes where you guys sort of dominated on the scoreboard and, and ran away with it. When did you know you had it won? When did you feel comfortable? Um, it probably went when I kicked that um, the goal from the sideline after yep. Tommy scored. Yeah, I think we were we'll, – we're up by eight then? Yes. Something like Yeah, we're up by eight and, um, you know, Sammy's got a miraculous try in the corner now. We got it down. But um, obviously Adam the kicked it from the sideline, put us 14 in front. Um, that was huge. That was massive. What did it mean to play for, to captain, and then to win a premiership for the club you'd always loved? Uh, it's just um, it's a dream come true, to be honest. Um, growing up, you know, going through the grades at South and, you know, um, Obviously, getting my chance early on when I was nineteen. Um, mm. Yeah, so like, to, like, to think I've come all the way through South and the only place I've wanted to play at, and um, you know, to get the C against uh, against uh, next to my name and um, making the grand final was huge. I just for probably like for about a, uh, two weeks before the grand final, I was actually like every night thinking about holding that trophy up. So. Yeah. It was a bit of um, a bit of drive, extra drive for me, you know, because I want to do it for everyone in this um, South District, and especially for my my family, and my friends too. So, um, yeah, it was a dream come true, and um, yeah, it's something I always think about, you know, lifting that trophy because it was uh, probably yeah one of the best moments holding that trophy up for ten seconds there. A huge day and one that South fans and players will never forget: the Rabbitohs thirty, the Bulldogs six, and the twenty fourteen premiers. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Want to be part of the team? We have both corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. Check out the website at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au or send an email to Terry, that's with an I, at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. I read this online last week at mole.com. No, a different website to the one you're probably thinking. It's worth listening to for our regular listeners and a regular guest of ours in particular. 
Moles are antisocial, solitary animals. They live alone except to breed. A mole typically travels no more than one-fifth of an acre and no more than three to five moles live on any one acre. That said, we welcome our very own mole to the weekly watch. 40 years in the game, is there a grand final or grand final story tone in that time that just stands out above all others? Uh, Andy, I'm, um, I'm, I'm good mates with, with Timmy Sheens and uh, as a result of that, I, I can't split 1989 when he led Canberra to the first uh, grand final won by a team outside Sydney, that that absolute classic against the Tigers, who many say uh, is the best grand final of all time. Yep. And uh, 2005, when uh, Benji and Scotty Prince uh, led the Tigers to that fairy tale, never before, never again, uh, grand final victory uh, again with with Tim in charge. And I'm I'm going to do a bit of chest bleeding here uh, uh, because I I actually got. Tim to both those clubs, or certainly wow. played a role in it. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just run you through it. Uh, Tim was at Penrith, uh, where he started his career. He, he got them uh, to the finals for the first time in the mid '80s, but he knew his time was running out. Uh, he thought it would be time to move on. Uh, Wayne Bennett had just left Canberra to go up to uh, uh, the Broncos, and uh, so the Raiders were looking for a coach and. Tim said to me, I wouldn't mind that job, but I don't want to make the approach. Uh, so he got me to ring uh, Canberra chairman uh, John McIntyre, a lovely bloke JR, who I'm sure you remember, yeah. and uh, I arranged a meeting at, at the halfway point between uh, Penrith and Canberra, which was approximately uh, Goulburn, and uh, the two of them sat down and nutted it out. Uh, I think they did the old uh, signature on a napkin and uh, and the rest is history. So... I can claim a little bit of that uh, uh, fabulous Canberra era in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and then fast forward to 2005 and you, you, you'll remember uh, the Tigers were a club in disarray yeah. uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, Terry Lamb got sacked. Uh, they went for Craig Bellamy. He said no. Uh, about three coaches all said no. And, again, Tim, Tim was out of a job at the time and he said uh, a similar sort of thing. He said, I don't want to be seen to be uh, going for this job, but um, uh, can you put my name forward? So I rang Steve Noyce, who was uh, chief yep. exec of the Tigers, and uh, I said, uh, I've got this bloke, Tim Sheens. He's won a few comps. Are you interested in him? And uh, he came back to me about a day later and said no. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, that's that. Uh, and then about a week after that, uh, Steve Noyce calls me and says, is, is Tim still available? And uh, I said to him, I'm pretty sure he is. And uh, so I arranged a meeting there. And, uh, again, the rest is, is history. And, uh, you know, t- Tim's never never forgotten it. And uh, we we had, had a, a hug after both grand finals, a big big man hug. So, you know, they're, they're special memories for me and, and probably two of the most memorable grand finals of the modern era. What a great story, Tone. Appreciate you sharing that with us. What a great coach Timmy Sheens was and is often left off the lists of of many experts when they're talking about their top one, two or three coaches. But you just got to have a look at Tim Sheen's legacy and who he coached that are now coaches to see just how important a coach he was but how big of a life mentor he was to these young men. Hey, Tone, where can we find you at social media? 
Mate, uh, look for me on Twitter. That's where I uh, love putting all my uh, juicy stuff, at nine underscore Molly and uh, the Wide World of Sports website for Channel 9. Gordon Tallis won three premierships throughout a decorated career, 1997, 98 and 2000, but he played in four grand finals. Let's go back to the 1992 and 93 seasons. In back-to-back years, the Brisbane Broncos played the St George Dragons in the grand final of the Australian Rugby League. In 92, the Broncos were crowned premiers with an emphatic 28 points to 8 win. Twelve months later, the two sides did it again. On the bench for the Dragons, a very young Gordon Tallis, who by his own admissions wasn't ready for this level of football. Gordy recalls what stood out most from the day. Tina Turner. Yeah. That's huge at the time. Huge at the time. And that's why I realised I wasn't ready, Andy. So I'm here playing in the grand final. Tina Turner was in and then the old dress rooms and you know the dress rooms there at the yeah. SFS and the doors opened up and I saw this huge commo- um, a commotion outside and it was Tina Turner there and she had the black and her legs and she was 60 and I'm thinking wow Tina Turner now fast forward 10 years I wouldn't even have noticed who was playing had no idea yeah. who played at any of the other grand finals mm. have no idea no. that grand final I remember yeah. everything so it just to me it proves that I wasn't totally focused on what my job was and you know, I went out there and tried my best, but Brisbane was so good. I think we beat them in about, just say, I don't know, if it was 22 rounds, we beat them in round 18, like at ANZ Stadium. And then Brisbane had to come the hard way, so they come from fifth, and, mm. you know, I thought that, you know, and they had to beat the Bulldogs, they had to beat the Raiders, I think they might have had to beat Manly, and they had to come in the tough way, and no side had ever won it from fifth. Yeah. So we were sitting in the gun seat, and Jason Stevens clash with Glenn Lazarus really early in the match and got a compound fracture and Steve-O was unbelievable. He was he was our big dog back then. Yep. Um, we lost a bit then um, and we never really regained in Brisbane. After playing with Brisbane, you just know that they're always going to be hard to beat. Hard to beat. That year, the Broncos won again 14 points to six. It was their second premiership. In 1997, the competition was split. The ARL and Super League Brisbane won the News Limited supported competition with a victory over the Cronulla Sharks, but it felt different. Oh, of course, something was missing. Yes. There was two competitions, and I watched Manly play Newcastle, and I loved that grand final. Yeah, one and, of the greats. And that felt like a grand final. Watching, yeah. watching the Johns boys walk around with their dad, Gary, watching Chief and, and, um, Spud going yeah. at Tuvi and McDougal standing on his head. Like, I remember that game more than I remember my game. But the next year, stamped that grand final because we played and we beat them all again. 98, you beat Canterbury. It was yeah. a different feeling, wasn't it? Yeah, but we played Newcastle in about round 10 or round yep. 12. And Huge matchup. The build-up to that was enormous. And Wayne Bennett made us build-up. He never yeah. does club games. He... He never builds you up, but as boys, if you want to rubber stamp your grand final last year, right? And as build up as a Super Bowl mm. and all that kind of stuff, where the two conferences come together, well, uh, we played really good that night. Even so, um, obviously it was different teams, it was, it was a different tournament, um, and then we won the grand final. Yeah, the dogs. That was that amazing run where the dogs beat all those sides. Yeah, you know, and, um, and Parramatta was yeah, the one. The I think years. it was eighteen nil, but. 
I think the dogs were out on their feet with every game, mm. and they just kept on getting there. And I suppose in the grand final, um, they were leading us at half time, which was unusual. Yeah. And we end up running them down in the end. At the turn of the century, at the very top of his game, Tallis and his Broncos met the Sydney Roosters on grand final day. It was probably the hardest to win yep. because, of the, because of the calibre of players that we lost. In 98, I still say that's the greatest side that I've ever played with. Um, it was an amazing club side, and I would back that team. And I'm not much of a punter, but I'd back that team to beat any team that I've ever watched. Yeah. Um, and I know it's different against eras, and that Raiders, you know, the 94 Raiders, yeah. and I would have loved, but not everybody can you know, fight each other in their primes, you know. But, mm. um, can you compare eras? I find it difficult no. to. No, no, you can't, but I think a great side in one era would be super competitive in the other. Yeah. That Dragon side that won 11 in a row. Just, yep. mate, I would love to play against them. Mm. And I would walk out of my dressing room thinking that we're going to win. Yeah. We might not because that side that I played with, mate, we got beaten on occasion. Yeah. And you're not, you know, and, and we didn't go through undefeated. So that Dragon side, they would have, you know, the Dragon. Yeah, like, mate, their dressing room, mate, when they walk out, I don't think they think they're going to lose, but that's what the great sides do. Andy, you've called boxing for a long time. I don't think there's a fighter in a world title fight thinking he's going out there and he's not going to knock the other bloke exactly out. Exactly right, yeah. You know, and that's what makes sports so great. And 2000, like we lost, you know, Pearl and Andrew G and all those guys. Um, I think young Dane Carlo come. Uh, Harvey Howard, who, who when Tommy was coaching Western, yep. uh, he told Wayne to take Harvey Howard and um, a couple others and Brett Hodson. He goes, this kid Brett Hodson, and then we had Darren Lockyer at mm. fullback. But, you know, Brett Hodson... Um, was another guy that Tommy goes, these two kids are going to be really good. And Harvey played in our grand final. It was a totally different side. But it felt like ours. Yeah. It felt, it, it felt like I was a big part of that premiership mm. where the others, even though people see you as a big part of it, but it was sort of one by Elf and those guys. Like, and they were the mainstays. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered, our grand final special. There's no off-season on this podcast. We'll enjoy a bye week to regroup and prepare. Then it's straight back into it. Mondays will be question-answer podcasts. Your questions, their answers. The biggest names in rugby league, both past and present, answering what you want to hear. Midweek, we're going to look at different eras, different clubs and players and their impact on the game. The controversies, the good, the bad and the ugly, there'll be interviews as well. It's unlike anything you've ever heard before. Then on the weekend, proof you don't necessarily have to be a big name to have a big story and not a footballer in sight. I'll be chatting with some of the most interesting, complex, passionate and inspiring people I know, all with a story to tell. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be amazed. And it's most certainly unfiltered. Before you go, make sure you're subscribed to the potty so you don't miss an episode. And wherever you are listening, we'd love a five-star rating and review. It helps us in business terms as we look to expand the unfiltered brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon, legends. Legends.